everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Universe Within podcast. This episode of the show is being sponsored by my friends over at a company called Real Mushrooms, realmushrooms.com. Um, Sky Chilton and his father, Jeff Chilton. I interviewed Jeff a number of episodes ago. Uh, really interesting guys. I, I really enjoyed that conversation with Jeff. Um, and it's a company that sells and distributes medicinal mushrooms in powder or capsule form. Um, I was really happy to have these guys come on. Uh, I think they're very much in alignment with the, the values of the podcast. Uh, as you all know, a big part of this podcast is uh, about uh, plant medicine, holistic medicine, and I, I think the benefits of medicinal mushrooms are, are truly fantastic, and I think there's really a growing body of work uh, that, that's really showing and alluding to all of the amazing properties that mushrooms have. Um, they sell a lot of different mushrooms, um, things you've probably heard of like reishi, chaga, lion's mane, turkey tail, cordyceps. Um, those are all mushrooms I work with. They, they're, they're part of uh, what I consider uh, for myself a, a really holistic uh, supplement regime. Um, and the, the thing I really love about their company, not only are they really good guys, I think they're really ethical guys, um, but... Um, the, the product is really amazing. It's all uh, 100% mushrooms. They're organic. Uh, and, and that's really rare. For better or for worse, the supplement in this industry is, is highly unregulated. Um, and so often when you get supplements, you don't necessarily know what you're getting. You may be getting some mushroom. You may be getting a bunch of fillers and other things. Oftentimes, even when you're buying what may be a mushroom. It may not have any of that mushroom in it at all, unfortunately. Uh, even some of the big, uh, I think even the biggest company that, that sells mushrooms, actually it's not the fruiting body, not the mushroom itself. It's the mycelial, which is grown on grain, and then those things are mixed up and then sold in a supplement form. So not only are you not getting the mushroom itself, you're getting the mycelium uh, mixed with grain. So um, it's one of the amazing things of real mushrooms is it's exactly that. It's real mushrooms. So it's 100% mushrooms, organic. So you know you're getting a really good uh, product. You're getting the actual fruiting body, the, the mushroom itself, 100% of that. Um, and again, just really great guys. I'm, I'm really happy to have them on and supporting this podcast. Uh, so if you'd like a really good product, uh, you'd like to start working with medicinal mushrooms, um, check out their site, realmushrooms.com. Um, and also listeners of the show. Uh, if you go to their site, realmushrooms.com forward slash universe, you get 25% off your first order, uh, which is a really good deal. And I think once you uh, uh, start working and, and tasting their products, you'll you'll really uh, see and feel a big difference. So uh, thank you to them. And uh, I think that's it. And without further ado, here is the intro to the show. On this episode of the podcast, uh, I am releasing this. It was an interview that I was interviewed for uh, a number of weeks ago by a really lovely woman who also lives here in the Sacred Valley <clears throat> of Peru named Emma. And she invited me on her podcast uh, really to talk about tobacco and, and tobacco as a medicine. And so we, we delved into uh, really myriad topics around that subject of tobacco as, as a plant medicine, as a, as a sacred plant medicine, a master teacher plant, um, everything from how I got interested into it, into what tobacco is, the different ways it can be worked with, the different forms it can take. <clears throat> uh, we talked about 
the the plant dieta and and uh, working with different plants via the medium of tobacco so there was a lot of really i think uh, kind of informative things about not only tobacco but also the work i do so i thought it would be a great opportunity to introduce this to you all to the audience of the universe within podcast uh, really going more into this idea of tobacco as a medicine so uh, I'm, I'm kind of introducing this as a, a as a part two of my sacred tobacco um, episode, which you can check out. I <clears throat> I think it was probably the maybe the third or fourth episode, maybe the fourth episode that I, I released on this podcast. So if you're interested in learning more, you can also go back and check out that one. And uh, hopefully it's, uh, it's one in, in kind of an alignment of, of episodes I'll release going more into to tobacco and each time maybe going into some some more depth, some some more aspects of it um, as, as more people become interested in it. So I hope you enjoy this uh, this episode. Thank you to Emma for having me on and for, for leading a beautiful interview. As always, if you're able to support this podcast that's a that's a really big help to me uh, patreon is a beautiful option <clears throat> you can subscribe for as little as a, a dollar a month there's different tiers you can sign up for those tiers give you different things back things like early access to shows bonus material q a's to all the people who have done that to all the patrons as always thank you very much for your support um, if you're not able to do that um, always just doing some of the really small and simple things uh, really help with the algorithms uh, so if you're listening to this on YouTube or Rumble, um, subscribing to the show, turning on the notification bell, liking the video, that's a really big help. Um, and then if you're listening to this on Apple Podcast or Spotify, uh, following or subscribing to the show, and then with Apple Podcasts, leaving a starred rating and a short review, that's a really big help. So I hope this all finds you well. Um, thank you all for tuning in. And I think that's it for the intro. And without further ado, here is my conversation. Conversation with Emma. Running out from the maze. Running out from the maze. Running out of the maze. Today. Running out from the maze. Running out from the maze. Running out from the maze. Today. Running out from the maze. Running out from the maze. Running out of the maze. Today. Hello, welcome to this episode of the Way to Change podcast. In this episode, I spoke to Jason Gretchenik, who I came across online. Um, I found, I started listening to his podcast, The Universe Within, and then I realized that he lives close to me um, here in the Sacred Valley of Peru. And that he's, yeah, in deep in the work of um, plant medicines. So he's been studying and working with plant medicines for over a decade in the Amazon and the Andes. And he's running dietas and also assisting in, in ayahuasca ceremonies. And so in this episode, we speak a lot about, um, a lot about this world, particularly for the first half of the episode, we speak a lot about tobacco. Um, Jason's knowledge on, on tobacco and the sacred and healing use of tobacco is really extensive. And I'm really grateful to have had the opportunity to speak to him about such a powerful medicine, such a powerful spirit. Um, so yeah, we speak a lot about, you know, 
the the difference between cigarette tobacco and using tobacco for healing purposes. We speak about many different um, modalities of using sacred tobacco for healing. Um, and then we kind of delve into, you know, various other related topics such as, such as dietas, um, the plant medicine world in general. We speak a lot also about the um, kind of archetypal masculine and feminine energies and interpretations of, of plant medicines and plant spirits. Um, and then towards the end of the episode, we really speak about navigating in this world of plant medicine and um, yeah, share a lot of ideas and, and Jason shares a lot of insights around, you know, how to um, kind of find your feet in, in the big world of plant medicine and, you know, ways to say, to stay safe and to listen to your intuition and, and things like this. Um, so yeah, I'm really grateful for, for Jason and for his work and for him taking the time to come on to this episode. I think it's a very, a very useful conversation for anyone who is, um, you know, in the world of plant medicine already or wanting to step on to the, to this path. Um, we have a lot of, yeah, we share a lot of, um, ideas, um, on this topic. So you can reach Jason. He's, he's working, um, he's running dietas here in the Sacred Valley of Peru. And he's also, um, now spreading them internationally, which is really amazing. Um, you can find him on his website. I'll put all of the links below. He has a website. He's on Instagram, Facebook. And then, like I said, he has a podcast of his own called the universe within podcast, which I also really recommend. Um, and yeah, so, so reach out to him, check out his work. And, um, if you have any questions or ideas or are needing support in any way, reach out to him, reach out to me. And yeah, remember that we're, that we're in this together, we're on this path together, we're lifting each other up. So thank you. Thank you for this work. Um, if you feel to support the, this work and this podcast, you can now support it, uh, via Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. You can also share, subscribe, like, or just simply watch is also really supporting. So thank you. I really appreciate any form of support for this work, for this work for change. Um, thank you for your own work and I hope you enjoyed the episode. Blessings to you. Jason, welcome to the Way to Change podcast. Um, I'm really grateful to, to have you on. I've been following your work for, for a little bit of time now. Um, I first came, I first found you online with your, the interview that you did with Alonzo. Mm -hmm. And, um, I was actually pra uh, practicing my Spanish at the time. So I actually watched that interview so many times using it to, <laughs> to practice my Spanish. And, um, and then, yeah, I found your, your podcast and realized, realized that you're, that you're, yeah, you seem to have a breadth of knowledge on, on, things that I'm interested in and worlds that I'm starting to delve into and one area in particular being tobacco, sacred tobacco. And yeah, I felt inspired to to do to set up this episode with you because 
I feel like um, at least as far as I've experienced, tobacco is less um, in terms of a sacred medicine. It's a bit, I feel like it's a bit less spoken about, like it doesn't have as much uh, exposure as, say, ayahuasca. Or I feel like there's generally less knowledge around the power of this of this plant, of this spirit. And, um, and yeah, so, so thank you for coming on. Um, so why don't we just start by a bit of, a bit of background about you and your work, kind of where your focus is at the moment and how you, you came across working with tobacco. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me on, Emma. Um, my voice is a little hoarse, so if it if it goes in and out, I'll I'll do my best. <clears throat> um, it's uh, it's always a big question, and and I, I never know exactly where to start. <clears throat> but um, probably probably around when I was twenty, I, I started to become quite interested in in plants. Um, Plants as medicine, plants as nutrition, herbalism, um, and, and at a certain point, um, and and some people listening to this may have may have felt a similar thing. <clears throat> uh, some of these stronger plants started calling to me. Uh, probably, interestingly, tobacco was was one of the first. Um, mm. But uh, I think the the one that I, I really heeded the call to was was ayahuasca. That. Um, Maybe many of your your listeners are familiar with that, um, and it, it led me on a journey of of going down to the Amazon and working with uh with that plant or that that plant brew, um, and it it really opened up a, a whole new world for me, and um, <clears throat> I had an amazing experience. I mean, it it very much gave me what I was what I was looking for, and and I think much more even, mm. um, and I'd known. Uh, I'd always known about tobacco being a medicine, but um, much like you you said, tobacco is an interesting plant because uh, of all the plants, it's it's actually the most known, uh, mm. but it's probably the least known in its medicinal use. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I think tobacco is still the the third most widely grown plant in the world, so mm. it's it's very used. Um, and I think that's also a testament to its power that it, that it actually really got out there. It was even when the, the Europeans, the Africans came to kind of the, the quote unquote new world, um, t- tobacco was really the, the main power plant that, that people started working with, um, because it was so widely used. Uh, they, they, they noticed that, that many, many different indigenous groups through North America, through Central America, through South America, were working with tobacco. And, and so they adopted that habit. <clears throat> um, interestingly, smoking also wasn't the, the main way that even when the, the Europeans and Africans came over that they were using it. They, they were also using it more in terms of snuff or snorting or chewing. Uh, yeah. the, the smoking was actually kind of a later convert. Um and tobacco is interesting in that way because you, it is a plant that you can use in, in, in many different ways. Um, but that, that experience with ayahuasca, I think also <clears throat> gave me a certain drive to, to go deeper into work with tobacco, which, which again, grow, growing up, 
I'm, I'm from the United States and I grew up in Virginia and Virginia also has a, a very long history of tobacco. Mm. I mean, many people even refer to, to certain types of tobacco as Virginia tobacco. Mm. Um, so it was always in my, in my worldview. I, I was knowledgeable of it and I, I grew up a lot learning about uh, various North Native American traditions and, and, and also kind of understanding and, and, and having a glimpse into, uh, this kind of reverence for tobacco and, and, and medicinal use of tobacco. But from the worldview I was coming from, tobacco was being used in a very different way. And so it, it was kind of conflicting and trying to understand that. <clears throat> when I when I began working with ayahuasca, uh, one of the things that I was really looking for was this very experiential connection to plants. And when that began to open for me, uh, tobacco was actually the first plant that I, I wanted to, after ayahuasca, to, uh, to begin to explore more deeply. Mm. Um, and kind of through a, a serendipitous chain of events, I, I ended up finding a, a, a tabacero uh, um, in, in, in a lot of South American shamanic traditions, which are usually Spanish, is is kind of the the, the lengua franca <clears throat> or the lengua castellano, I guess. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> uh, that word tabacero is is someone who works with tobacco. Um, so, it would, in kind of colloquial terms, it would be a curandero uh, who specializes in the work of tobacco. Um, yeah. And 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 when I began doing that work, it was it was very revelational for me and. Uh, it was something that had really been calling me. It was it was very difficult when I started working with that particular plant, mm. um, but it was something that that kept drawing me back, and and eventually um, it led to to kind of an entire apprenticeship working with with tobacco oh. and, um, but <clears throat> you know, depending on on what your audience is familiar with. A lot of these plants, like tobacco or, or ayahuasca, <clears throat> they they can often be called like master plants or teacher plants or power plants. Yeah. Um, and and in a way, they're kind of complete systems within within themselves. They they can they can be used to heal on the physical level, on the the mental emotional level, and the spiritual level. Um, but they're also considered kind of gateways or diagnostic tools that that open us to the world of plants. Um, yeah. So it, they're they're very powerful mediums to allow us to access other plants in in, in a much more profound way, and so that was also mm. a big part of my own training was beginning to work with with many other plants uh, mm -hmm. through the medium of tobacco. Oh wow! Okay, gives a little bit of a. That's great. Yeah, that's great. Wow, that's really interesting. So tobacco. So this is um, generally how you you run your dietas. Tobacco is used as kind of the. The gateway drug, the gateway plant, uh, into the, into the world of, uh, less psycho psychoactive plants, no? That's right. Um, <clears throat> even, even that term psychoactive is, you know, it, it, it's very interesting. And, and I, I think it's, um, it's just a word people use because, a lot of this work is is being approached from a, a very different cosmovision, but mm. um, <clears throat> you know, I, I think in a lot of maybe more Western uh, cultures or, or cultures where maybe a lot of people listening to this 
are coming from a, a lot of these states. I mean, that's why we call them altered states because we're, yeah. we're very used to, to kind of a singular way of being. Mm -hmm. But in, in many indigenous cultures, their, their worldview isn't quite that narrow. And even, even in the, the, the worldviews we come from. I mean, we're, we're very, we're, we're more and more familiar with things like meditation or, um, peak state or flow state. And, you know, all of these are changing our consciousness. And uh, mm. I think it's a little bit of a, maybe an older worldview that, that I think even in, in Western societies is changing very quickly that, that there is such a thing as a normal state of consciousness, that right. our consciousness is constantly changing. And yeah, of one of the, one of the big things with that is, is, is our sleep every night, every night, every single human being, no matter who you are, we go into a highly, highly altered state of consciousness for, for literally a third of our lives, uh, where for all intensive purposes, our, our, our bodies are, are dead. We're, we're not aware of our bodies and our consciousness mm -hmm. is in a, in a very altered place going through all sorts of different landscapes and, um, you know, depending on your worldview, dimensionalities, uh, going into the past, the future, taking on different forms potentially. So, yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, these, you know, all, all plants alter us in, in, in some way, but, but certainly certain plants, uh, are able to do that in, in a more or less, um, dramatic way. And, yeah. and I, I think that's often what's referred to as these master power plants, things like ayahuasca or wachuma um, or tobacco mm. or coca yeah. and, you know, iboga and all of, all of mm. them to different degrees have different ways of working. And, and also depending on how you dose them, they, they can have very different effects. Yeah. Um, but, but they do have an ability to to significantly change our, our consciousness, but also in that way, there they can alter our consciousness in a way to where we're very perceptive to other things. And so, when we introduce another yeah. plant um, under the influence of those plants, we're able to be much more perceptive to to the medicine or, or to the spirit of that plant to to really begin to to, to learn from it, or in in kind of more shamanic terms, to to form an allyship. Uh, with mm. it to to learn from the spirit about it uh, about the essence of that plant. Okay, so the plants that you that you that you work with in the dietas, um, they their effects are for the average person. Would you say too too kind of subtle to really pick up on? Is tobacco somewhat necessary to open the gateway to feeling the the messages and the medicine of these plants? It's a good question. Uh, not not necessarily. Um, much like how there are many different plants, and and different plants have their own personalities, their own medicine. Uh, individual humans are also very different. Um, yeah. Extremely different. Um, you know, you look at a NBA basketball player who's seven, eight foot tall versus a pygmy person. I mean, even within the realm of humans, like we can be quite vastly different. <clears throat> um, and so with that, uh, the, those individualities are, are very distinct too. Some people are, are very open, very perceptive, very sensitive, other people less so. Yeah. Um, and again, one isn't inherently better or worse than the other because, uh, yeah. um, you know, nothing is free. Everything has a trade-off. Um, and so <clears throat> in that way, 
some people can be very perceptive without using kind of these these power plants but certainly even if that perception is there the 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 master power plants are only going to enhance that perception yeah. Uh, yeah. which is also where things like dosing comes in you know knowing how to dose someone based upon their their sensitivity and their perceptivity mm. um <clears throat> but those plants that are being worked with um like I'll often use the example of, of chamomile tea. I mean, depending on your perceptivity, um, you may really feel that it's very calming for your yeah. system. You you may feel it working on your digestive system. You you may feel it inducing a more sleep-like state. And then some people really would just not perceive anything from it. It would be the same as drinking water. Mm. Um but if if that plant like chamomile is enhanced by something like tobacco or ayahuasca um because those plants are they can be so strong again as always depending on how you dose it uh, it's very much opening these doors of perception in in a much more acute way and 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 allowing you to perceive much more than you would in 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 kind of our our more or less daily state of, of, of yeah. consciousness and perception. So I, I guess to answer your question, a lot of the, <clears throat> a lot of the plants that we're, we're working with and dieting, um, first of all, they're, they're predominantly trees. Um, okay. trees often tend to, to be considered some of the most powerful medicine, um, uh, throughout many different cultures. I mean, it's a big subject, but but even mm -hmm. in in many cultures, you have this this idea of like the tree of life, and yeah. you know there's there's all sorts of micro macrocosmic relations, symbioses between trees and humans, um, and and each you know each tree, each plant um, has its own unique uh, way of working. Some some trees can be much more perceptible to someone and, and some trees can be less so uh, mm. but again you know uh, enhanced with with something like tobacco or ayahuasca it becomes uh, more more perceptible in that way mm. yeah wow the, the last episode that i just did with um with a, with a friend and who was I, I did her course last year she's worked for many years in in plant communication and um yeah, we spoke a lot about how, you know, kind of on, on that topic of, um, you know, anyone has the capacity to, to receive a, a message or a medicine or a healing from, from a plant. But a lot of the time it's going to come down to, um, whether we can slow down enough to get to the point where we're, um, perceptive, no, where we're like at least partially not just functioning in the stories of the mind. And, um, yeah, so this is a really, it's actually something that I haven't heard of before using, at least as far as I remember, um, using tobacco as a, as a way to, yeah, I guess it makes sense, no, to, to make you more perceptive, more open, to slow you down, to ground you, um, in order to then be more, more. I mean, from, from an Amazonian perspective, yeah, for, from an Amazonian perspective, which is where I spent a lot of my time, I mean, probably the last decade of my life or um 
or I spent about a decade there. I moved out of the Amazon probably about four years ago now. But <clears throat> you know, really, those two plants would would be considered the the, the two most commonly used plants. So traditionally, uh, you'd have people who work with both. You have people who maybe work predominantly more with one, and ayahuasquero predominantly with tobacco, with tobacco. Um, but but very often people worked with both as well. Um, yeah, and there was. There was kind of a trinity between ayahuasca, tobacco, and the plant that that they were working with. Okay, um, wow. But you know, <clears throat> it also depends on on what culture. Some cultures uh, worked more with tobacco. Some cultures may have worked more with ayahuasca. Um, but as you said, also in the beginning, um, <clears throat> a lot of that knowledge has been lost, and 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 not just with tobacco, but with a lot of plants. Like a, a, another one that comes to mind is toei. There's there's very I think few people left who who work in a in a very deep or profound way with that plant. And it's not that it's any worse or or, or better than ayahuasca or tobacco. It's just for for different reasons, and and that's probably a whole other podcast. But ayahuasca. Mm-hmm. Kind of happened to be one of the plants that um, that survived and, and especially was introduced to the more Western world, which is also uh, probably why it's become more widely known in, in in that regard. And and also, you know, it could be some of the the novelty of it too, because uh, up until. 30, 40 years ago, most people had never heard of ayahuasca, whereas people had heard of tobacco. So it's also, you know, we we approach plants with our with our own worldview too. In the same way that <clears throat> many people may not look at at um at opium, for example, as being medicinal. And yet it's yeah. it's it's highly medicinal. It's used in medicine all all over the world. It's used uh, probably millions of times a day in hospitals. But but because people maybe associate it with with something negative, as in heroin, it's um, you know we we can only approach things in the worldview in which we see things from. So yeah, yeah. So just touching on what you what you were saying, I'm I'm starting to. I mean, I was, I've been aware of it for a while, no, um, sacred plants and sacred medicines kind of being taken and abused and exploited and, and just, just warped in a, in a strange and addictive way, um, in the West. And, um, I'm starting to, 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 to feel that somehow more, more potently now that I'm connecting more with Coca here and realizing, um, like wow <laughs> what is what has been done to this plant you know what has been what has been done to this um to this to this spirit and tobacco is yeah probably the most obvious example of that but, but there are so many examples you know coca and cacao even like with the whole chocolate industry and yeah it's it's i have a lot of hope no but this but it's also somewhat worrying and it doesn't it's not nice to see when you start really deeply connecting to the to the wisdom of these plants and then you kind of look back and see how they're being used yeah yeah and then also from a from a medicine point of view um anything that that's useful is medicine medicine is something that that works something that heals and even something like 
the coca plant, which which has a very, very long history here in the Peruvian Andes, uh, is considered a very sacred plant, and, and it's, it's used for all sorts of things. And even kind of the... <clears throat> The extraction of, of the, the, the main alkaloid, cocaine, uh, it was used medicinally for, for a long time. For a long time, it was used in dental procedures to, to numb the mouth. Mm. It was, uh, it was the basis for medicinal drinks such as Coca Cola. That's, that's where the, the name comes from. And, mm. um, you know, it was seen, uh, early on as, as having all sorts of medicinal benefits, but, because it does, it's, it's medicine. Even cocaine is medicine when used in, in a certain way. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there, there was all sorts of, it wasn't just Coca-Cola, but there was all sorts of elixirs that, that contained, uh, cocaine. And, <clears throat> um, I, I think it was, it was maybe 15th century Swiss, uh, physician, uh, Paracelsus who, it was, I think, one of the, the first people to be recorded saying this, but that the difference between medicine and poison is is in the dose. Mm. And and that's very true. And, and you know, that, that's maybe uh, also a more, like, rationalistic, scientific way of, of viewing it. But it could also yeah. be said it's it's in the intention. And mm. the intention is is huge, how we're, how we're using it, how we're coming to, to it. And that's where also in, in many of these more indigenous cultures the the story was was very important very profound because if mm. you forget the story you forget the medicine you forget why you're yeah. using it you forget where it came mm. from you forget how to use it you forget all of the the kind of healing codes that are built into these stories and and then we become kind of like orphans who are just experimenting with these very powerful sacred plants without mm. any knowledge without any wisdom and it makes sense that we would get lost because we don't have the yeah. container that these plants are, are, are holding us in. Um, <clears throat> it's why, for example, in, in most of the countries, probably most of the listeners are coming from, like, you can't just go and buy medicine. Usually you need a prescription from a, from a, an authority, a wisdom mm. keeper who's a, usually an allopathic doctor who says, this is the medicine you need for the condition you have, and this is how you take it, and this is how long you take it, and this is the dose that you take it. Uh, and, you know, there, there's a certain ritual in that as well, and, uh, mm. and, and then you use the medicine. But in, in that way, there's also a system that's in place to, to, yeah. to help to regulate that as well. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um. Could you speak a little bit about uh, how you, from over your experience of working with with tobacco, how you perceive um, the, the the spirit really? Like, because often we hear grandfather tobacco, and to a certain extent, I I I feel this, no? um, but it's also difficult to know if I would feel that like that you know that phrase grandfather tobacco was introduced to me. You know, when I first started working with Rape a few years ago, and so because that phrase was kind of introduced to me, it's it's difficult to tell whether I've just kind of projected that onto the experience. You know, um, but there there are certain like personally there are certain um, properties and feelings and and yeah connections that I feel with tobacco, particularly Rape, where I do feel this kind of grandfather energy. Is that something that you also feel? And yeah, how do you how do you perceive the spirit of tobacco 
Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I, I think if you look at, at most things in existence, uh, there's a duality to them. I mean, it's it, it's literally the, the fundamental building blocks of, of life is that there needs to be a duality for, for something to be in existence. Uh, in order for there to be an Emma, there needs to be a Jason to, to observe the Emma. In order for there to be a day, there needs to be night. Uh, in order for there to be something that's manifested, there needs to be something that's unmanifested. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> you know, just very broadly, that's that's literally the, the building blocks of life is, is, is that duality. Um, and um, in in, in our language, in, in biology and genetics, uh, that's often represented uh, with, with plants and animals as this archetypal masculine feminine, this, this binary. <clears throat> um, and so it, every culture, different, different individuals are, are going to look at things through a different binary way of, of, of seeing the world. Um, we, we relate different qualities to the archetypal masculine. We relate different qualities to the archetypal feminine. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and there, there are some cultures who, who probably do label these plants as more archetypal masculine or more archetypal feminine, um, depending on, on how they receive that, that information, depending on their stories, depending on their myths, their legends. Um, I also think a lot of that is also, you know, very much as you wisely said, like how much of the experience am I experiencing because something has been implanted in my mind? As someone told me, it's grandfather, therefore I see it as 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 masculine. Mm-hmm. Um, some of that is is I think a, a, a translation error too, which is is very common. I mean, um, so many people, for example, refer to ayahuasca for example as feminine as the mother or the grandmother um i don't really know any indigenous culture that refers to it that way um okay i think that's really a a mistranslation of Mm. of of often the spanish uh, which they will refer to the spirit of the plant as as la madre as the Mm. mother but Mm. it's not really in a in a gendered way, it's just there's no other direct translation that they're using because they'll also use words like dueño, which is actually masculine, and they'll, they'll, it's yeah. the owner of the tree or la madre. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, now, you know, each plant, depending on on how one perceives it, they they may they may see it more as masculine or feminine. Uh, for example, maybe some of your listeners are familiar with a group of people called the Shipibo people. Um, they're they're very well known with their their use of ayahuasca. <clears throat> the Shipibo people, ayahuasca, for example, is a Quechua word um, that that refers to the, the the plant brew ayahuasca. The the Shipibo, their word for for that brew is uni. Uh, and so someone who works with uni is a unaya, and it often mm. refers to this idea of, of wisdom or knowing. Um, but ayahuasca, also if people aren't familiar with, is is um, it's kind of confusing because in Spanish, ayahuasca refers to, to the vine, the liana, um, which you can drink by itself. Uh, there, there are certain groups, like in Colombia, they drink yahe, and very often it is just the ayahuasca vine. 
But most people, if they were to drink the ayahuasca brew, it would be a combination of two plants, the, the ayahuasca vine, which in Spanish is often referred to as ayahuasca, with a second plant, um, <clears throat> which in Spanish is, is often referred to as chacruna. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's the combination of those two plants that make the ayahuasca brew, or for example, for the shipibo that make uni. Um, Nishi and Kawa, I, I believe, are, are those two words. Nishi being ayahuasca, Kawa being the, the chakruna. And when you mm-hmm. combine those two, you get uni, which is knowledge. <clears throat> and they would see each of those as archetypally masculine feminine. So the vine mm-hmm. uh, represents the masculine element, and the plant represents the, the feminine element. And when you combine that, you get knowledge or, or, or uni. <clears throat> mm. So for them, uh, ayahuasca is both. It's both masculine and feminine. Um, so, for example, with ayahuasca, uh, I, I think a lot of that comes from a mistranslation, the understanding of, of that idea of mother. Um, mm. And I think there can be archetypal ways that these plants come to people that for them embodies more of the archetypal masculine or archetypal feminine. And so <clears throat> many people, perhaps in the way they perceive ayahuasca, is more archetypically feminine. Yeah. So it often takes place at night. It's kind of mysterious. There, there's a dance. The the knowledge is not so direct. It, it's very ethereal. There, there, yeah. there often needs to be a translation to it. Um, mm. We're often going into the darkness. We're going into the womb. We're, we're going into the unknown. Um, and so I think a lot of people in that way perhaps perceive it as more archetypally feminine. <clears throat> mm. Mm. Also, as you said... If you go in believing it's a feminine energy, then that very well may affect your experience as well. Yeah. And yeah, so I think the same thing goes with. Sorry, I was, yeah, I was just going to start also going in um, with, uh, you know, I have, I have met the, the, the sacred serpent in ayahuasca ceremonies. And she's, well, you know, I just naturally say she, I don't know why, I guess just, yeah. Um, but again, it's another example of like, you know, uh, before I drank ayahuasca for the, for the first time, I was introduced to this idea of the sacred serpent and of that ayahuasca is not only the mother, but also the snake, you know? And then in, so in various ayahuasca ceremonies, the snake has been like very present, very, very present. And for various other people that I know who have drank the medicine and yeah, so perhaps another example of, yeah, did, did the idea come first or did the experience come first or perhaps it's both and yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and <clears throat> these sacred symbols are, are very interesting. Um, on the one hand, you could say there there's something that's uh, very universal about them. <clears throat> I mean, the, the the snake, the serpent, uh, even in our, our Western medical system, is is the symbol of medicine. It's the snake that's going mm-hmm. up the staff. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> also, the snake tends to embody, in a more symbolical way, um, the feminine. It it embodies often like the direction of the north or uh, death, rebirth, the shedding mm-hmm. of the skin. Um, the water element, which is <clears throat> often why, for example, ayahuasca, it, 
it's not actually the the snake usually that that's being referred to. It's the anaconda, and the mm. anaconda differs from the snake because the snake is actually on the ground; it's on the earth. But the anaconda lives in the water, mm. um, and so it's embodying more of that water element. Mm. Um, <clears throat> also, the vine, you know, which interestingly is is the the more masculine element, is is very snake like. It it, mm. it winds and goes up a tree. Right. So you know, there's a lot there. there, there there's a lot to think about. Um, but I yeah. think in that way, um, uh, for many people, tobacco embodies that more masculine element. <clears throat> um, you know, for me, I, I I don't refer to it as as grandfather. Uh, for me, okay. it's it's also both. Like like all medicines, it, it embodies both. If you look at the way that that often when you're dosing it and you're working with it in a strong way, um, a lot of the archetypes or the qualities, the emotions, the experiences that people have could be related more to this archetypal masculine quality. It's a yeah. much more direct medicine. The messages are very clear. It's very much working on strength. It's very much working on groundedness. Uh, it's very much working on alignment. Um, it's giving us a sense of power, a sense of insight, a sense of clarity, a sense of an ability to see things as they actually are, much like a sword cutting through the veil. <clears throat> and yeah. so I think in that way, people can relate it to more masculine qualities. Also in that symbiotic relationship between tobacco and, and ayahuasca, because almost always when ayahuasca is worked with, tobacco is also being worked with. Yep. Um, if people are perceiving ayahuasca as being more feminine, then it's also natural that this tobacco is beginning to balance that. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, and again, there's many ways of being able to see that. It, if you're looking at ayahuasca in this more anaconda-like feminine way, tobacco can often be represented by the jaguar, the panther. Mm. Um, and, you know, even kind of alchemically, uh, the, the chemicals of tobacco can really help to enhance the effect of ayahuasca. So again, there's this, this symbiosis there. Um, <clears throat> Also, depending on how you work with tobacco, it's very different. Um, yeah, maybe some people who've who've sat in ayahuasca ceremonies have seen maybe the the healers uh, working with the the pipe, for example, which is is with tobacco. Uh, the pipe is a symbiosis. It's it's usually the shape is very much like a, a phallus, representing the more masculine elements. But the inside, where you put the tobacco, is representing more like the yoni, the the feminine mm -hmm. elements, the darkness. Um, when you drink ayahuasca, you're, or sorry, when you drink tobacco, you're archetypally embodying more of the feminine qualities. It's the physical yeah. matter, the earth matter, the water element, because it's brewed with water. Whereas if you smoke tobacco, it's more of the masculine elements. It's the fire, the air. Mm. So all of these things have, you know, all of these elements. And, and a lot is just really how you choose to look at it. Also, yeah. Just how you perceive it, what what actually comes to you. Um, sometimes people, for example, like anthropomorphize the, the spirits of plants, and for one person, 
It may be a woman for another person. It may be a man for someone else. It may be neither. It may be yeah. something that's not anthropomorphized at all. It, it's not a human-like spirit. It's something very different. Like behind you, the the colibri, the mm -hmm. hummingbird, is often represented as as the spirit of tobacco. So it's not really? in the human form at all. But it's actually taking the form of of the messenger of the 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 air, the the, the birds. So there's there's many ways to see these things, and yeah. I think again, a, a lot is our worldview, our cosmovision, what we've been taught, and then hopefully the the more we go into these medicines, like what what we actually experience. Mm, yeah, yeah. I also see and and hear with a with a lot of what you're speaking, like that these you know assigning uh, masculine, feminine, mother, father, grandmother, grandfather, and animal characteristics to these to these plant spirits that are so complex and so, so grand in a way, maybe it's also just, just a way for us to make sense of what's happening. Um, Absolutely. To, to, yeah, to give some kind of, yeah, structure to understand what's happening. Um, um, okay. Well, it's, it's common to, yeah. to traditional cultures all over the world. I mean, we, yeah. we have stories, we have myths, we, we anthropomorphize things like gods into something that, that allows us to understand them, to, to, to understand the characteristics, to understand the qualities. Yeah. Does it mean the God is actually a man or a woman or, you know, a, yeah. a, a certain form? I think those are questions everyone has to has to answer themselves, but certainly it helps us to be able to understand it. Um, again, that that that's the very idea of <clears throat> bringing the unmanifest into the manifest world is yeah. is it has a form, it has an image. Uh, we can begin to to work with it. Um, it's much like in. Hindu or Vedantic thought, the, the, the story of the Bhagavad Gita, when, when Krishna comes to Arjuna, he comes in the form of a man. Uh, and it's beautiful because Arjuna is learning all, all sorts of things from this man. Um, but eventually he, he maybe gets a little cocky. His ego gets the better of him. And he says, well, you know, you seem like such a nice guy. I, I, I would like you to show me your true form, not just your form in man. Yeah. And, and Krishna, obliges and he shows him his his 10,000 fold face which is uh, mm. an esoteric symbol for for infinity mm. and it's so overwhelming it's so frightening it's so beautiful it's so terrifying it's so awe inspiring it's so overwhelming that he drops to his knees and begs him to return to his human wow. form <laughs> okay so that's the only way he can truly mm. truly learn from it understand him relate to him mm. wow yeah and so the the animals. I mean, I was quite surprised actually when you mentioned that the that the colibri is also a symbol of of tobacco, as well as the the jaguar. No? Um, are there any yeah. other animals that you've seen like being like representing tobacco? <clears throat> it's it's interesting because uh, you know, like everything I said, this is where things maybe. <laughs> get a bit complicated because we all have our, our personal relationship with something, how, how yeah. we see the world. Um, and yet at the same time, there are 
universal ways that we see the world. Like most people, if you put an object in front of them, they'll describe more or less the same object. Mm -hmm. And so in that way, um, these plants, I would say, also do tend to have certain universal archetypes. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and, you know, it's not super... difficult to think about that like much like the example i used of chamomile like most people they would use that to soothe tummy issues to help with digestion to help with sleep so we know that like when i take chamomile like maybe it's just because i like the flavor that that can also be but often it's because you know if i have i have my little apothecary of 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 herbal teas, uh, which one am I going to take? It's usually mm-hmm. because I'm looking to remedy something that I'm dealing with. Mm-hmm. And so in that way, I recognize that that plant has a spirit, it has a medicine, it has a personality that's different from all of the other teas that are there, the, the mint, the munya, the the rosemary, the, the, the mm-hmm. basil, the thyme. And so I'm taking that chamomile because it has certain archetypal properties. And what's interesting is that many people, when they work with a certain plant, will see and experience and perceive very common symbols, very common archetypes, because that plant does have its its medicine, which is very Mm. unique to it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's just just quite like a, yeah, surprising to me in a way to see the to have you mentioned that it's um, often uh, seen or understood as the the jaguar and also the colibri, because somehow these animals are like so different, you know. <laughs> but of course, it's also one's one's interpretation and what kind of medicine they're they're needing. Because these see. medicines are very different. Um, yeah, they they can truly range the the gamut, the, the entire spectrum of, of what can come up from <clears throat> being very gentle, very loving, very healing, to being very, very difficult, to being to bringing us to the point of death, to being world-shattering, yeah. um, to, to really making us question our very existence of who we are, of making us question reality. Yeah. And so archetypally, <clears throat> you know, again, this is more just my kind of putting words into this, but uh, something like tobacco can embody the sweetness of the colibri, the, the yeah. extracting of the nectar of who we are, extracting the nectar, the essence of plants, the flight, the beauty, the softness, the, the, the harmony. And it can take the form of a jaguar, which is tearing us apart. Uh. The, the strength, the, the ferocity, uh, the domination, the, the mastery of the jungle, because in the jungle, yeah. the jaguar is the strongest animal. Everyone fears the jaguar. Even humans fear the jaguar. (laughs) And in that same way, uh, you know, if we go deep enough into a medicine, it also embodies a deep fear, a deep reverence of the power of that plant. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and also with tobacco, it it also really depends, I mean, depending on how you take it. Like you mentioned earlier, there's so many... Uh, different forms of of using tobacco and um with like i was really feeling with what you were just saying you know that this that this that the same medicine can take you to a completely different space one day and a completely different space the next day and um that's you know i guess dependent on just 
where you are psychologically in that moment, also your surroundings, and also depends on you know that what that plant is mixed with, like with drape, for example. Maybe it's it's a good time actually to go into the different forms of of working with tobacco, especially for those who haven't who aren't aware of this. Um, did you do you want to start with with rape and what is rape? How is it used? And yeah, yeah. As I as I mentioned early on, <clears throat> tobacco is a very interesting plant in that there's there's a number of different ways that you can work with it, that you can take it, that you can um, work with its medicine, mm. uh, which isn't true for for a lot of plants or or some plants. Maybe there's there's one way you can work with it. There's two ways you can work with it. Maybe there's three ways you can work with it. <clears throat> Tobacco. There's 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 a number of different ways you can work with it. Um, in general, <clears throat> um, you know. Also, with that, every every way that you work with a plant is going to be different. It's, mm. it's why there's a different way of working with it is because yeah. you're. You're you're working with different elemental qualities of it. You're working with different medicinal qualities of it, which is why mm. these various ways were developed because they were seen uh, as being useful in some in some uh, medicinal way, in some mental emotional way, in some spiritual way. <clears throat> so, uh, like many plants, the often the most powerful way you can take it is to physically ingest it, to ingest it into the body, often in its liquid form. Yeah. So usually when you're dieting or you're working with it in conjunction with other plants, that's how you take it, is you ingest it like a liquid, much like you would with chamomile tea or ayahuasca or wachuma. You're, you're taking it in its liquid form. Um, <clears throat> It's going through, you know, all parts of the body, through the digestive system, through the organs, um, often in, into the blood. So it's it's activating many layers of the body. And also with tobacco, you know, again, probably the the most common way that people are familiar with how it's worked with is through smoking. Um, <clears throat> now, uh, again, this is kind of a, a big subject, but yeah. You know, many people, and this may sound kind of silly when they when they look at tobacco, they're they're thinking about cigarettes. But mm. again, cigarettes are one way that you can prepare tobacco. But tobacco is a plant. You know, it's a very beautiful plant, like like mm. plants are. <clears throat> it's green. It it often has um, it has very thick leaves, very oily, very sticky, kind of hairy. Um. It it has uh, these beautiful flowers, pink, uh, yellow, white flowers, <clears throat> and uh, and so that's the plant. And and then part of the art, part of the alchemy, part of the medicine is is how do you process that plant? So often tobacco uh, goes through a pretty extensive uh, human process of of manipulating the tobacco. So. For example, when you're when you're making tobacco to smoke, uh, first you're drying, you're you're taking the leaves, you're you're drying them, you're often using different mixtures of different leaves depending on how high they grow on the plant. Uh, after you dry them, you're often putting them through a, a curing process, a fermentation process. You may be adding things like 
um, like canya, like um, rum or miel de canya, molasses to mm. also add a certain sweetness, preserve them, also to play with the alchemy of them. And it's often fermented. Um, uh, and that also changes the alchemy of it. Um, and then you know, once that whole process is done, then it's kind of chopped and, and it could be smoked. <clears throat> but even within that process, there there's a lot of different variables that can happen. How are you curing it? Are you air drying it? Are you flu curing it? So traditionally, for example, tobacco would be air dried. Um, that changes the alchemy in a very specific way. And I would say in general, because it was a time-honored tradition, it was changing the alchemy for, for the better. Mm. Um, what often happened with the cigarette industry is to speed up that process, they started flu or fire curing it to mm. speed up that process. But you're changing the alchemy. You're also introducing into the tobacco whatever that heat source is, which could be propane gas, for example, which then yeah. the tobacco yeah. absorbs. Yeah. And that changes the alchemy, which is why, for example, when you, you traditionally you smoked a pipe or cigars, uh, people didn't inhale it into their lungs. And it wasn't even because they were taught to do that, but probably more so because there was just a, an inherent knowing in the body that when you took the smoke into the mouth, the mucous membranes of the mouth absorbed all of the alkaloids that you needed to receive the medicine of that plant. Mm. If you fire flu cured the tobacco, uh, your body doesn't then absorb all of the, the alkaloids through the mucous membranes of the mouth. You actually need to take it into the lungs to absorb that. Mm -hmm. So you, by doing that, you're receiving the, the alkaloids of the tobacco, but you're also taking it into the lungs, which kind of, as I mentioned, you know, nothing is free. Uh, there, there's no such thing as, uh, as kind of good or bad in that way. There's only trade-offs and there's yeah. a trade-off when you take it into the lungs, like, like anything. So, you know, it, just to kind of say that, you know, that there's many variables in, in how these things are worked with, the, the processes. And then from a more shamanic point of view, um, who is the one doing that? Mm -hmm. a huge difference. Someone who yeah. has knowledge of that plant? Is it someone who's singing to that plant? Is it someone who truly has a relationship, who, who has an allyship with that plant? Is it someone who can talk to the plant? Is it someone who who's done that, who really knows the ways of that um, versus just kind of someone who's doing it because they're getting paid to do it, but there, yeah. there may not be a, a relationship there. So th there can be a lot of uh, variables. So th then kind of going back to your question, um, <clears throat> tobacco can also be smoked, um, uh, which often you, you see is also very common. Like often uh, if people sit a, in an ayahuasca ceremony, for example, uh, they, they may see the people running that ceremony also smoking tobacco. Um, and often they're smoking to, to clean themselves, to clear themselves for, for protection, for calling upon the, the allies of the plants they're working with. Um, you mentioned this idea of, of rape or hape or snuff. Uh, that, that there's many different names for it. Um, the matzes, for example, uh, use it. Some people say, you know, they, they're like one of the, the groups where this comes from. Their word for it is nunna. Um, and I've spent some time with the matzes, so I, I can always, I can also speak a little bit from, from their perspective. 
So for example, when they use the, the nunna, the snuff, uh, they wouldn't use cured tobacco. They would use the fresh green leaf. So when you're inhaling it, it's, it's okay. like this bright green leaf, a bright green powder, almost like matcha tea or, or coca. Um, and they would say, you know, really after a few weeks, it begins to lose its power. It begins to lose its spirit. So you, you really need to make it fresh and then work with it and use it. Um, they would often work with it from these very long tubes too, in a very like strong, forceful way that really affects you. I mean, it, it can literally knock you back on your back. And often they would do it all night. You know, they may do it 10, 15, wow. 20, 30 times to the point where you are in a very altered state of consciousness. Um, which yeah. is maybe very different from um, how people may be working with rape, kind of with their, their own inhaler and kind of doing a, a short, soft, gentle, small dose once or twice. So again, even with the dosing, it, it, it's going to have a, a very different effect. Who's doing it? The Matses would often say, like, be very careful who gives you rape. They would say, uh, you should only consume it. You should only allow someone to apply it to you who has qualities that you want to take on because you will be mm. taking those qualities on. <laughs> so if Absolutely. they have qualities you don't want yeah. to take on, you, you, you may not want to be. So yeah. <clears throat> that's the snuff. Um, Tobacco can be kind of boiled down to to a paste, uh, to like a very thick paste, which they would call ambil, which is often then mixed with a, a certain type of salt, usually because it's most of this is coming from the jungle. It would be a type of jungle salt, which they call sal del monte, like uh, this, this wild jungle salt, uh, which kind of activates the tobacco in a certain way. You know, and again, there's this idea of this symbiosis, like a lot of these <clears throat> ways that you would work with, uh, with tobacco, like with the ambio, like with the rape, like with the drinking of the tobacco. Um, you're actually mixing them with a, with a second plant, much like how ayahuasca is worked with. You're mixing it with another plant that can activate the tobacco. And, um, so you have ambil, which is this thick paste, which is mixed with this jungle salt. Um, this would usually be, they, they would call it licking. So you would like lick it with your tongue or you would put it in your gums. Um, so this could be kind of worked with on a, on a very regular basis. <clears throat> There's also uh, the, the snorting of tobacco. Uh, which is different from the rape, which is in powdered form. Uh, you can also snort it in its liquid form, uh, which in some yeah. traditions is called uh, like shingialo or shingiard is the verb. <clears throat> um, again, this has very different properties, very different reasons why you would use it. Uh, you can also chew tobacco. So taking the cured leaves or, or it could be the fresh leaves too, you know, again, depending on how you work with it. Uh, it could be straight. It could be mixing it with different things. Again, something like molasses or, or different salts, but, but chewing it. And that's another way to, to extract the essence of the tobacco. Um, there's also enemas, uh, you know, so really, really, really allowing wow. tobacco to, to, to go into all orifices of your body. Um, and there's other medicines you can do that with too, which, you know, is kind of bypassing the entire, digestive system and, and really, you know, going straight, uh, straight in and it's, it's much more powerful. Um, you know, 
one caveat with all of these um, is, you know, any any strong plant, it's it's very wise to to work with these plants uh, with someone who knows how to work with them. Because um, if you don't, uh, they can be dangerous. Uh, you know, certain yeah. forms, maybe like smoking or ambil, you know, small doses of rape uh, can maybe be more gentle. They don't have as huge effects, but but some of the other ways um, can have very very big effects and even deadly effects. And so it's it's you know like any strong yeah. plant. That's why I was saying in the beginning, there's a very fine line between medicine and dose. Uh, mm. And so any of these very strong plants, it's it's very important to to not experiment with it, but to 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 really understand and to work with someone who, who knows how to apply these. So those are however many that was kind of the, the six ways that, that, that I'm most familiar with of, of how tobacco can be worked with. Okay. Thank you. Um, and the, it's a different type of, uh, tobacco plant, no? a different type of tobacco species that, uh, that is used in everyday cigarettes and that is used in, uh, like rape and mapato, like mapato basically. Could you explain a little bit about that for our listeners and also for myself? Yeah. <clears throat> um, I mean, tobacco is a plant and, and like, like any plant, for example, you have apples, uh, an apple is an apple is an apple, uh, but you can have different varieties of apples, uh, much like when you go to the grocery store, you see apples that are maybe bigger or more red or more yellow or more sweet or more bitter. <clears throat> so it's the same with tobacco. You have different varieties of tobacco. Uh, and there's actually many. There, there's probably dozens of, of varieties. Mm. Um, in kind of the, 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 the maybe more international market, and especially for smoking, <clears throat> it tends to be a variety which is called Nicotiana tobaccum. Um, some people say this is a more hybridized form. It's certainly a bigger plant, so it yields more. Um, although, interestingly, it wasn't the first variety that was used for smoking. So even when the Europeans and Africans first came over, they were actually working with other varieties of tobacco. And many were working with Nicotiana rustica, um, yeah. which is this wild tobacco or, or jungle tobacco. And it's the tobacco that is most often used in, in the Amazon uh, as medicine, as in, in all of these different yeah. forms. They're, they're usually working with Nicotiana rustica. Uh, the kind of colloquial name is mapacho. Uh -huh. But mapacho really refers to the, the, the rolled cigarettes. That's what mapacho is yeah. really referring to. But if you were to take it in other ways, it would be tobacco or the name of whatever form you were taking it in. Mm -hmm. Um, so those are, those are really the, the two most commonly used ones, but almost all of the cigarette tobacco you would find would be Nicotiana tobacco or blonde tobacco, Virginia tobacco, bright leaf tobacco, um, the, the Amazonian one and kind of genetically, they think that's where tobacco, probably all of the tobacco originated from was, was maybe the, the, the highlands of the Amazon. And then from there it spread into really dozens of varieties. But, but the one that's most commonly used in the Amazon for medicinal purposes is Nicotiana rustica, uh, yeah. also could be called tobacco, mapacho. Um, in English, it's called green leaf tobacco. Um, hmm. Sometimes it's referred to as black tobacco because it's a it's a darker leaf or dark leaf tobacco. Okay. 
Okay. Um, and for anyone who who is listening, who is intrigued and and wanting to step into the world of using tobacco in a sacred way, in in a way for healing, and and in a way with with respect, how would you? In what form would you suggest someone to start to to start working with this? Well, um, smoking, for example, is very commonly used. Uh, you, you know, you can see, as I said in the beginning, I think it's still the third most commonly grown plant in the world. Mm. Um, <clears throat> unfortunately, again, with cigarettes, as I said, they're they're cured in a different way, which is is probably not the best for the health because you you inherently begin to take it into the lungs. Yeah. Um. Often it's grown with pesticides, herbicides, which I, I think people are also having a bigger understanding of, of what chemicals mm. can do to our bodies. Mm. Probably not ideal. Um, and especially if you're taking those chemicals into your lungs, it's again, probably not ideal. And especially when you consider the fact that cigarettes uh, have many chemicals added to them. Uh, you know, the exact number I think is up for debate, but I've, I've heard around 6,000 chemicals are added to them. And when you combust that, uh, <clears throat> it could be potentially up to 8,000 chemicals. So, yeah. you know, and I think many people <clears throat> often, because of education, realize that, that cigarettes can be detrimental to the health. Now, you know, also what I'm going to say may be controversial. Um, but, you know, it's, it's interesting. I find that, that even many scientists or doctors, um, also get very lazy when they're thinking about these things. Because, for example, you know, I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard a medical doctor use interchangeably tobacco and cigarettes as if they're the same mm -hmm. thing and they're not. Mm -hmm. It's completely different. Yeah. It would be like saying, uh, beef is bad for you, but not differentiating. Well, is it corn fed? Is it grass fed? Is it free range? Is it being mm. filled with antibiotics? Is the cow eating a bunch of chemicals? How is it being killed? Uh, how yeah. are you eating it? Are you eating it in a hamburger with uh, processed uh, uh, white bread that's filled mm. with sugar and, and hydrogenated oils? <clears throat> so it's, it's very lazy thinking. Um, mm. You know, and, and what I would say about that is, um, most of our medicine today and allopathic medicine is still plant derived. And if it's not directly derived from plants, it's, it's synthesized, uh, from something that was discovered in the plant kingdom. And almost all of those came from people and, people who who understood the medicinal benefits of those plants and the people who traditionally work with tobacco don't view tobacco as poison at mm. all <laughs> quite the opposite not only do they view it as a medicine they view it as a medicine of the highest order and so yeah. I, I think to ignore that would would also be very naive and and even you know in the west there is i think a lot more research now into the medicinal benefits of certain alkaloids in tobacco for example nicotine the uh, the neurogenitive effects of that the the beneficial effects for certain neurological conditions but that's probably, yeah. uh, again, another podcast. Um, <clears throat> so, 
how to work with it. Um, you know, smoking is a, is a way and it's a more gentle way, which there, at least in the immediate vicinity, there, there tends not to be a lot of harmful side effects. Um, but being able to source good tobacco, uh, is, is potentially difficult in that way. You know, even if you look at something like, some of these like additive free tobaccos, that's great in the sense that you're not getting chemical additives to the tobacco, um, but it still is being processed in the way that most cigarette tobacco is being processed, which is probably mm. not the most ideal form to be taking it. So if you can find more traditionally cured tobacco, if you have tobacco shops uh, in your area, you know, also the internet is an amazing thing now. Um, but to buy tobacco that's cured in its in its traditional way, and you know, again, there's deep wisdom there. Like people didn't just do things; people didn't spend a year curing tobacco and in, in very meticulous and and precise ways just for 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 the fun of it. Because it wasn't necessarily fun; it was a lot of work. But there was a reason they were doing it that way. Um. Uh, you know things like ambil. You can you can work with it in very small amounts, um, but um, you know also rape. Also with rape, it's you know all of these things again. There's so many variables. Uh, yeah. What are you getting? What what's in it? Who made it? How old is it? You know where is it coming from? There, there there's so many variables. So it's really difficult um, to kind of say these things in a, in a universal way but yeah but ultimately i would say that the best way to begin to develop a relationship with the plant is again to work with someone who, who really knows that plant and who can help to guide mm-hmm. one to really begin to understand that plant to form a relationship with that plant much like in the same way um i i really wouldn't recommend people just start working with ayahuasca it's right. very strong yeah. and it's very important to work with someone who really understands it who understands when to give it when not to give it how much to give how to dose it when to dose it how mm. to how to work with it in ceremony how to understand what's coming up um mm-hmm. you know i I, I can't tell you how many times I've I've heard of people having really bad experiences of ayahuasca. And and a big part of that is the people working with it didn't understand the language of ayahuasca. Yeah. In a in a more indigenous sense, they didn't understand the stories. They didn't understand the myth. And it's very easy to get lost in the stories. And and in the extreme, those stories can cause psychosis if they're not really understood. And and understood in a very immediate way with someone to to explain like actually this is what that story means and much mm-hmm. like a sword it can cut through that illusion it can cut through the in in kind of more shamanic terms what's called the mediation the dizziness of the plant which can take mm-hmm. us you know into all of these different stories some of which may be very beautiful some of yeah. which may seem very beautiful but can lead us to, to very dark places if we don't really understand what that story is trying to say so mm. and and again again in, in a more indigenous way of, of working with plants the story is vital it's it's super important and i think that's something that's really underemphasized in in a lot of the ways we're beginning to work with these plants and the stories they're not they're not silly little things that you know adults tell children uh, you know mm. much like the bible or the quran or the Tao Te Ching or the bhagavad gita 
you know, those are medicines in themselves. There's tremendous wisdom there. There's tremendous power there. There's tremendous teaching there. And some of those books, kind of like I was saying, if there isn't someone who has a certain wisdom, can be interpreted in, in very destructive ways as well. Mm. Um, but my point of that being that that the stories are very important, the traditions are very important, the knowledge of how to really work with these power plants are very important. So um, I, I think the best advice I could give to someone is is to really find someone who who, who has a deep understanding of, of that plant and and who's really worked with that plant a lot and mm. and worked with other people with that plant and um, and and then to begin to to learn in that way. Yeah, yeah, I think it's great advice. Um, unfortunately, I, I also feel like it's, it can, it can be difficult to find that right person that you're, that it's, that you're supposed to work with. Like, um, what I, uh, what I feel is a, is a good way is to find, find someone who you, you didn't just find on the internet or like, uh, you know, um, who you hear people that you don't know speaking about them, but people that what I've found is people that this is how I arrived at Alonso's work is people that you trust and that who you really trust their, their intuition and their, um, yeah, their feeling around who to work with and their recommendation can then become a, also a really good source for you to, to know who to work with. Um, yeah, because as I'm sure, you know, there are so many people now, uh, offering ayahuasca and offering all kinds of medicines and all all kinds of spaces. And just for anyone who's listening, who hasn't delved into these areas before and who's maybe feeling the calling, um, that's really beautiful and follow the calling. Um, but be careful because it's a, it's a big, it's a really big world and it's, it's, yeah. Like I said, I really feel that one of the best ways is to find someone who, you know, and trust, their judgment and and follow kind of who they've worked with but also listening to your own intuition as well um but yeah also if you have any advice to offer as well on on you know how someone can go about finding um someone to work with because we cannot just walk into the jungle now like and work with the first shaman on the street you know this is in my opinion this is really dangerous especially as a woman i mean as a man as well as as everyone but with women there is also an another added added danger you know um and so yeah if you want to speak to that a little bit you know how how someone can begin to kind of find their start to navigate their way in this medicine world because it can be it can be really misleading and really dangerous yeah it's um a, a, a lot of great points you you brought up and <clears throat> <laughs> you know, again, we, we live in an interesting time. Um, this story may sound kind of strange, but <clears throat> there's a group of people called the Kogi and, uh, they, they live in the Sierra Nevada of, of Colombia and, uh, a very dear friend, uh, a woman who's been, been walking this, this path for a very long time, uh, said she was speaking to them and she asked them about climate change. And their answer was that she asked them, why is there climate change? And their answer was humans have forgotten their sexuality. <laughs> wow. <Okay. laughs> so, that, that, that's a bit, that's, 
there's a lot maybe to go into there. <laughs> Not such a straightforward answer uh, for some. And and obviously yeah. that, that can be taken in many different directions. But there mm-hmm. is a truth to that. Uh, there's something about also this idea that these plants are here to help us to remember who we are. And mm-hmm. <clears throat> we live in a time where we have forgotten these stories and we have forgotten these archetypes and this world of duality. Um, and so, like you said, it's also very important. Um, I think some some of us we've been raised in this worldview, which is meant with very good intentions, with this idea of egalitarianism and equality, which are noble ideas. Um, but it can be very dangerous too, because um, you know, also in a shamanic way, they don't look at the world that way. They look at mm. things also in a black and white way, that there's good forces and there's not good forces. Mm. And in that same way, much like you said, it, you know, and again, <clears throat> all of these things have to be caveated, but there is a difference between a man's experience and a woman's experience. Mm. And we, we harm people if we don't acknowledge that, that there are inherent yeah. Uh, dangers that in general a woman may potentially face that that a man may not face does that mean every man may not face those dangers absolutely not there there's exceptions to every rule does it mean that every Mm. woman is going to find herself in a difficult situation absolutely not there's beautiful people doing this work yeah Um, but it's something to that that needs to be acknowledged that that you know uh, for example a, a lone woman going off uh, into this work, which is like not only open heart surgery in the physical body, but it's like a, a an open mind surgery, an open emotional surgery. Um, yeah. We're very vulnerable in that space, and it's very important to be in a space that's held very well. <clears throat> um, also in that way, like I was saying, in this more shamanic view, you know, there's not this kind of idealistic worldview of of everything is is good and and peaches and roses. I mean, even within this work, a big part of this work is fighting, battling, um, taking things that are dark and trying to remove them. And and sometimes it's through effort, through strength, through force. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> You know, I think some of us live kind of in these sheltered worldviews, but also if you kind of look around at, at the news, <laughs> the world is maybe not as pretty as we thought it is. Um, mm. There's people who are willing to do bad things. Does it mean they're bad people? Again, that that's kind of, as I said, a, a more personal worldview of how you look at things. But, but yeah. the answer could be no, but the people do do bad things, and, and that's a reality. Mm. <clears throat> Um, and even in this work, it, it, it's seen that there's curanderos, people who are healers, and there's brujos, people that are witches, people that are warlocks. Now, again, this is a, a huge subject, and it would really need probably a number of, of other podcasts to go into. <laughs> but, you know, in the most benign level, you could say that none of these people are inherently bad, that, that they don't even have malintent. 
Yeah. But that they've become lost in the mediation of life. They've become lost in the mediation of these plants. They become lost in the darker aspects of these plants and the power and the jealousy and the envy. Mm-hmm. And they don't even know it because they're lost in it, much like everyone yeah. is. I mean, it's a very spiritual concept, you know, this idea of like Maya, that we're all lost in the illusion, that we're all lost yeah. in, in Buddhist terms and in, in the inherent suffering that, that of what it means to be a human. And just because someone has done this work doesn't mean that they've, you know, <laughs> fully pulled down that veil. They, you know, they're still human beings, and it's very important to remember that because there, there, there's a lot of, I think, kind of this more Eastern mentality of, of kind of this guru archetype that that everyone doing this work is somehow a guru, which they are in a sense. They're a teacher. They have a certain knowledge, um, and they're a human being. Um, and they they have their flaws, like everyone. Yeah. Um, hopefully, a good teacher has fewer flaws than the average person, which makes them a a, a good teacher. A good teacher, yeah. <laughs> but but to really remember that, um, and um, you know, one person who can be an amazing teacher for one person can maybe be a not so good teacher for another person. Yeah, That's also the. Really. So it's also <clears throat> very hard, I think, uh, because there also seems to be this trend now, which again is, is I think, built in good intention, which is kind of like calling out people. And again, there, there, there can be a lot of good for that. If someone really does something really bad, it's, it's important to say that. Um, but also just because I don't like someone, you know, it's much like a restaurant. I could go to a restaurant that has, a million 10 star reviews and I don't like it. Does it mean the restaurant is not good? Not necessarily. Mm. Um, does it mean I don't like it? Yes, that's what it means. I don't like it. It's, mm-hmm. it, just doesn't, it doesn't flow with me and that's okay. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so also to realize that, uh, you know, just because someone else says this person is good, there can be real benefit to that. That that's, that's, that's really important is to, mm. to talk to people, you know, Good people in general are going to have a good reputation, much like a good yeah. doctor. If a good doctor is able to heal a bunch of people, word is going to get out and other people are going to show up. Mm. Does it mean that that doctor can cure everything? No. And and, and no honest doctor will say that. It's why also in our medicine, medicinal systems, <clears throat> we have specializations. Mm. Um, one doctor may be really good for one thing, and but he, he or she may know his or her limitations and then maybe refers you to, to someone else. So all of these things are, are things to take into consideration, and I, I think it's really difficult to give kind of a, a universal um, way. But but in general, um, listening to your heart, and and that mm-hmm. may sound kind of cheesy, but um, that's where truth is. And, and as you said, a, a lot of us have layers, blocks. You know, we all do, and and part of this work is about beginning to to remove those, to understand them. And as mm-hmm. we do that, we can get closer in touch with our heart. <clears throat> but really, listening to that as best you can. And then sometimes there's just going to be a trial and error. Yeah, you totally. you kind of listen to to your friends or a website or intuition, and you go to someone, and maybe it's great, and that's amazing. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. ideal. And maybe you go to someone, and you just realize like that person's not for me or that medicine isn't for me or that medicine isn't for me at that moment of my life right then. And and maybe what I need is something else. And so 
all of these things, doing your research, listening to your heart, uh, listening to other people, um, and then also holding it lightly um, and being able to kind of, in boxing terms, you know, kind of dip, flow, mm -hmm. like, you know, mm -hmm. weave and bob and, and be able mm -hmm. to work with what's coming at you. <clears throat> yeah. And uh, I think another thing that, that you brought up, <clears throat> which I think is important, uh, and again, that there's no easy answer for this, but there's all, and it goes back to this idea of duality. There, there's always this line, and it's a very fine line of if and when you do find someone, really being able to give yourself over to that person. You know, for example, I, I practice Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and, you know, it's a similar thing. Where do I go? How do I find someone? And, you know, I, I went and I talked to different people. I, I read different things. And then finally I, I settled on a school and I felt really good there. Mm -hmm. And I made that decision. And so also when I made that decision, I listened to my teacher and I did what he told mm -hmm. me to do. Uh, he said, do 50 push-ups." I did 50 push-ups. He said, you know, triangle choke this guy, triangle. He said, your game is this. Yeah. I followed him. You know, and eventually after many years, maybe I could, you know, th there can always be a questioning. There should be a questioning, but I trusted him and I listened to him. And I think that served yeah. me very well. On the other side of that, I had made a good choice. Like he was a good person. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the school was safe. The school was highly skilled. Um, the other side of that is while there's a huge benefit in giving yourself over to the teaching, to the teacher, to the plant, you also need to listen to this deeper intuitive sense, uh, which <clears throat> can change, which can come up yeah. depending on things that come up yeah. and, um, and, and really listening to that because the other side of that <clears throat> is a lot of people end up in very bad situations because they blindly follow someone they they blindly yeah. listen to someone. And when yeah. things come up, we're in a deep sense. They, they sense something isn't right. You know, the, the mind can be very tricky. The mind can make a million reasons why that's not true. Other people mm -hmm. who are kind of under that influence can also be very persuasive and come up with all sorts of stories of, of why these things are, are true or untrue. And yeah. it can be very, very difficult to really stand on your two feet and 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 to follow that intuitive sense to follow that inner knowing um and you know these are universal things it's not just about plant medicine i mean it's about yeah. anything in life and yeah and often it takes a lot of courage to to go against the grain you know and again there's the the flip side of that <laughs> which is if someone is always too stubborn always not willing to go into something we may never have a chance to fully go into something and so yeah. some of that process is going to be getting hurt getting let down failing mm -hmm. um not having the best experience but also those things are things that help us to grow and you know so hopefully we can yeah. find some sort of balance in all of that where we have difficult experiences we have some challenging experiences we have some people who test us but we also through all of that find people in places that are really beneficial for for us to be able to to really do the the kind of work that we want to do yeah 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 it really is a bit of a a bit of a feeling out period no it's it's just 
and that's okay. That's beautiful. That feeling out period. I mean, in a way, it's always a feeling out period. No, we're always in ebb and flow and, and perhaps changing our, who we perceive as our teacher as, as we grow. No. Um, but yeah, there is a particular sensitivity and vulnerability of the feeling out period in the medicine world, as opposed to the feeling out period in a mixed martial arts gym. You know, there is very particular vulnerabilities and, um, yeah, I think everything that you mentioned is is <clears throat> really spot on and I can really see a lot of that process in myself as well of, um, yeah, you know, growing and developing and, and just as we do often, you know, our circles and the people we hang around with in our relationships, as we grow, the, purple, the people who we work with are going to change around us. Um, but just to say, like, yeah, just to kind of build on what you were saying, like, um, I think it's really beautiful and really accurate, um, Alonzo's recommendations for, for starting in this work, which is, I can't remember where, if, if he said this in an interview or a book or, or something, but it really stuck with me because I think it's unbelievably accurate, which is if you're thinking about, you know, um, working with, with, with someone, a shaman or someone who is saying they're a shaman or a healer or whatever, look at their, their relationship to, sex money and power and i think if you really examine those three things in in anyone it can be, it can really help uh make obvious really quickly what that person's intention is um and then you can start to feel if if your intention is aligned with them um for example for me i think it's a it's a really obvious uh telltale kind of symbol if um if someone is charging, you know, extortionate amounts of money for ayahuasca ceremonies, which is quite common now. Um, or if it's, you know, a guy is holding uh, ayahuasca ceremonies really frequently and he has, you know, one woman this week, the one, one woman this week, one woman this week. And there's kind of this energy of, of, uh, seducing women around him. This is also something to be wary of. And, and not just if you're a woman, also if you're a man, because you, not necessarily that you're going to be seduced by him, but you're going to place him in a position where you're perceiving him as a, as a teacher. And, you know, do, do you want to adopt those, those values into your life? Um, and, and yeah, like you said, it's, it's, it is such a balance of keeping kind of one foot firmly in your own intuition and one foot in, 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 you know, surrendering to the teachings and, and surrendering to the situation. And so kind of take go, going in lightly is a good decision and taking some, I think, uh, some time away from the medicine. I think it can be, it's a, it's a, it's a trap. I think that a lot of people fall into, not to say that, uh, there aren't periods of our lives where, where maybe we need to drink a lot of medicine in that period, or maybe for someone's life, they, they generally need to drink a lot of medicine. But for me, it was really powerful to like, um, when I first was introduced to the medicine and drank, you know, quite a few times. And then it was like really powerful for me and for my development and for my growth to then, uh, remove myself from the situation and not touch any medicine for a year and just kind of see how my body like, uh, adjusted and how my consciousness adjusted and, it was so necessary and is so necessary to, to continue that. Finding the balance.
<laughs> yes. Yeah. Mm. And your your dietas at the moment are um do you want to give some information to anyone who's listening about about your dietas and about what's um what you're offering at the moment? Sure. <clears throat> um probably the easiest is to 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 go to my website. Uh, which I mentioned, uh, one of the varieties of tobacco <clears throat> in the Amazon is called Nicotiana Rustica. So that's the name of the website, nicotianarustica.org. <clears throat> um, it has some information about, about tobacco, a little bit of, uh, about my background, um, and, and the work that we do. And predominantly we're, we're working with dietas, which we, we kind of spoke about in the beginning, which, um, is a period of going into isolation, of, of fasting or restricting food, and uh, via the medium of tobacco, working with uh, with a tree to to really learn from it, to heal from it. Um, we we predominantly, I, I guess, are still working out of the Sacred Valley of Peru. <clears throat> although more and more, we've begun. Uh, traveling with this work, uh, it kind of started during the pandemic because Peru was uh, quite strictly locked down, and we we started getting some invitations. I I, I work with a, another woman, so we 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 run these retreats together. Um, she's also a tabaquera. We we had a kind of similar training, similar same teacher, same lineage. Um, um, one thing I also found. Kind of also, as we spoke a bit about, is, is there's a real, <clears throat> I think, a real value to working with with both a man and a woman. Um, mm. These individual differences, but but also very archetypal differences in in the medicine that that, that a man and a woman carry. Um. So that's <clears throat> that's most of our work, and we kind of in general we we maybe work every other month uh, either here in the sacred valley or or also abroad <clears throat> we we really started uh, our own training came from the amazon and and so we were working with a lot of amazonian plants a lot of amazonian trees um but a number of years ago we also started getting inspired to begin working with plants from where people are indigenous to themselves mm. and being that, that most of the people we work with are coming from the us canada europe um, we've really begun working with a lot of trees that are, are indigenous to to those continents and, and the countries that are that are there um <clears throat> and so kind of taking this amazonian technology taking this this traditional this 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 knowledge that that we learned and were gifted and really beginning to um, to kind of weave it into taking the technology, but working with native trees to where people are from, um, mm. and so that's that's a big part of our work now too. Is is when we go abroad, we always bring some Amazonian trees, but we're also working a lot more with with local indigenous trees to where people are from. So trees like mm. oak and hawthorn and elder. Um, alder, blackthorn, olive. Um, so, mm. and every year we, we hope to continue to, to also do more of this work ourselves to continue to learn from new trees so that we can also begin to, uh, to give more trees to people as well. Mm, yeah. 
And are you finding like a, a generally a similar experience? Um, I mean, obviously any, everyone goes on their own journey with each particular tree and each particular plant, but do you find like a, a similar lessons come up from, from the oak tree, for example? Do you, are you able to witness in, in your participants that similar lessons are coming up through working with particular trees? Uh, an absolute yes. <laughs> yeah. and, and that's kind of what I was mentioning in the beginning is, is every one of these trees has its own spirit, its own medicine, yeah. and yeah. and it's universal, uh, The which is quite amazing if, if you really think about it. And no matter where you are, no matter where that tree comes from, it, it has a spirit, it, it has its own medicine, you know, always these, these trees, these plants are going to speak to people. They, they have to speak to people in a language that, that the individual understands. <clears throat> so the way that it archetypally speaks to maybe someone from the U S versus someone from, uh, the Peruvian Amazon is going to be different. The, the symbols that, that come to them. Although less and less as the world becomes uh, kind of mm. more intertwined, um, but yeah, you know, in one dream and in, in, in one vision, you know, it, it, for example, is a very general archetype. But if you're coming from the U.S., the medicine may come to you in the form of a car. Um, it, it's a vehicle of transport, and. and mm. And in, in the U.S., we drive a lot of cars, so mm -hmm. that's how the, the plant may, may come to the person. Right. Whereas in the Amazon, it, it may come to them in the form of, of a canoe or mm. a spirit or something that's, that's, that speaks to them in the same way that it's going to speak to you literally in the language, most probably, that you speak. If you speak English, you're going yeah. to be filled with, with English-speaking dialogue, whereas if you're Shipibo, you're going to be filled with Shipibo dialogue. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the, the answer to your question is yes. Uh, all, of, all of these trees have, have an archetype, have, have their medicine, and, and have their very particular way of teaching. Uh, mm. which is very universal. And again, the, the imagery, the archetypes will be different for different people, depending on who they are, where they come from, what their worldview is. But the essence of the tree is is universal. Mm. Yeah, it's really beautiful experience to witness this and really beautiful to see how this kind of intertwines with the previous episode that I did with with um, a woman called Anna who's really deep in, in plant communication work and, and really realizing um, yeah, that the messages are that come, are, you know, you're not just making it up. It's not just a story of your mind. Like these, these plants really have things to teach us and they don't have to be really power plants like ayahuasca and wachuma and tobacco, you know, they can be more subtle. Um, and yeah, so thank you. Thank you for the work that you're doing and for opening these doors to people. Um, and if anyone wants to work with you, um, so they can find you on Facebook, Instagram. You have a website. I'll link all of these these below as well. Yeah, the the website is is probably the best. Uh, Facebook I don't use as much, although <clears throat> there I, I do have a page. Uh, probably Instagram is is better. I I also have a podcast uh, which is called The Universe Within, and um, I I have an Instagram page for that. So that that's also a, a way to. 
to hear a bit more from me, from from different guests who I interview, I, I also um, always post the, the work that we're doing on the Instagram page as well. So, um, and then the website is 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 very up to date. That there's also a mailing list where if, if you want to throw your email out there, we uh, whenever we're doing a new retreat, we we notify people via the the mailing list as well. Nice. And you said that you're you're wanting to take this internationally. No, you're not just working in the Sacred Valley here in Peru. That's right. About three years ago, uh, we went to New York. Um, we've been to Israel. We've been to Ireland. We've been to Portugal. Um, we've been to Colorado doing this work. We're going to Canada this upcoming year. Um, we're going to France this upcoming year, and then we're probably either going to either Australia or South Africa, uh, still trying to figure out the logistics wow. of that. So wow. yeah, we're starting to get around. Uh, <laughs> mm. Yeah. Really nice. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for taking the, the time to do this as well. I really appreciate it. All right, everyone. That's it. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Uh, again, thank you to Emma for having me on. I hope you all enjoyed that episode and you found it uh, to some degree enlightening that maybe you learned something new um, about tobacco, about uh, it, its medicine, the, the process of doing a dieta. Um, as always, if you're able to support this podcast, that's a really big help to me. Patreon uh, is a really beautiful way of doing that. It's a website. You can sign up for as little as a dollar a month. There's different tiers you can sign up for. Those tiers give you different things back, things like early access to shows, bonus material, Q&As. To all of the patrons, to all of the people supporting that way, as always, uh, I, I deeply appreciate your support. It's really what allows me to continue making these episodes. Um, if you're able to support in that way, I would really appreciate it. Um, if you're not able to do that, uh, as always, doing some of the small things uh, to help with the algorithms really helps in getting this show out to a bigger audience. So if you're viewing this on YouTube or Rumble, subscribing to the show, turning on the notification bell, liking the video, uh, those things really help with the algorithms. And then if you're listening to this on uh, whatever platform, um, but especially with Apple Podcasts and Spotify, uh, following or subscribing to the show, uh, and then with Apple Podcasts, leaving a starred rating and a short review. You, uh, that's a really big help. Uh, I think that's it. Uh, also, if you're interested in uh, learning more about Emma or her podcasts and guests, uh, you can check that out. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. And uh, I think that's it. Um, I'm shooting this a little bit before I go into a plant dieta myself. Um, <clears throat> so I'm not exactly sure the order of my upcoming guests, um, but I do have a interview scheduled with a woman named Kat Courtney, I believe is her name. Uh, she has a, a really good website and she does really good work. She has a big Instagram channel, I think called Plant Medicine People. <clears throat> Um, I've listened to a few of her talks, and I, I think she she speaks from a, a place of a lot of wisdom about this work. So it should be nice to have her on. Um, hopefully, I have a uh, a guy who's a friend of a friend of mine, uh, a Russian guy who does a lot of work with fermenting and the the, the gut microbiome. 
parasites, uh, microbiotic life, uh, all, all sorts of really fascinating things, um, and, and some really interesting theories, and, and I think a lot of things that actually um, very much relates to, to plant medicine work as well. Um, and uh, I also hope to bring on a local Cerdo um, guy who I know named Victor, so I'm trying to uh, set that up, so hopefully that'll be another interview. So anyway, there, there should be some really good interviews coming out. Um, and as always, again, thank you very much for your support. Uh, again, as always, I hope this finds you all well. Thank you all for tuning in, and I will see you all on the next episode. Thank mm-hmm. you.